You love to learn, grow, and improve yourself, but you're still not where you want to be? The right mastermind can be the ultimate secret weapon when it comes to personal development, but trying to find the one that's built for you isn't always easy. Welcome to the Mastermind Effect, the one and only show that focuses on helping you cut through the noise, invest in yourself, and move past your natural limits. This is everything you need to know about masterminds, brought to you by your host, Brandon Straza. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show where you know I believe the only way to unlock your potential is to tap into the experience of others. And today, to help us do this, we have got the founder of Thomas Consulting, Lynn Thomas. Lynn, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brenda. I'm delighted to be here and to talk about life in the world of COVID and how employees and employers can um, get along and do make outstanding inventions and high innovation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, real quick, when the listeners realize all the value you're bringing and they want to reach out to you and learn more, work with you personally, or just learn more about you, where's the best place for them to connect with you personally or socially? Well, thank, thanks for asking. LinkedIn is probably the easiest place to find me or my company is Thomas Consulting. And at the end of it is wins, W-I-N-S.com. And you can call me or contact me in any way and I will get back to you within 24 hours. And that'll be in the show notes below. And then next one that I always like to go with this right here, because it really sets the tone for why they're like, ah, I jam with Lynn. If I were to say, what is your superpower? What would you tell us? I uncover other people's superpowers they don't know they have. Unlocking what you don't know is already right in front of you. And I think that's an interesting thing is helping people get out of their own way so they're not in their way. And that that to me so often to unlock that, to have that, that gift to help people do that, to unearth that, it's something truly special because it's like it's like Christmas mm-hmm. or, or you know, or or you know, whatever holiday you want to be a part of. But it, it, you know, it's like when you have that in your life, that's that's truly special. And 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 t- tell me, when did you realize that like unearthing other people's gifts was your superpower? Well, I'll say it's one of my superpowers. So I'm I'm a, I'm a, I was a tax attorney with Arthur Anderson when I started uh, years ago. So I went from there to Bank of Boston as a private banker, and then a change agent, and then left and started my own business because I saw the underbelly of corporate America that really didn't care about employees and was just using them to make money, which is for some people, if that works, it's great. I don't have a value judgment, but that's not where I wanted to put my energy and effort. So I resigned the next day and um, started my own business. So um, I, people helped me see my superpowers that I didn't know I had. You know, I was a tax attorney. I didn't think I was creative, you know, and I'm, I'm highly creative. And so they helped me to see things I didn't know. So I was able then to do the same. And what I would say is, um, there's something called capacity mindset. And some people think, well, I will, I know all my capacities. I know what I'm capable of. It's like, no, only 2% of your brain do we use consciously every day. And 5% we're really pumping the ions. I mean, we're not even tapping into who we are. You have, And I think most people go to their graves not even realizing some of their best abilities because they're not pushed and pushed in a kind way pushed. Like when I work with clients, Brendan, I want them to come up with 20 solutions to a problem, not just one. I mean, 20 solutions, you know, and, and they'll say, well, why 20? And I'll say, well, my friend, Scott Jones told me about this. So I'll tell you the story with him. He was, he, he invented voicemail. He truly did. And what he does every morning, he comes up with his biggest personal professional problem. And he comes up with at least 20 solutions and he gets a patent about every two years. Most people I speak to don't have patents. So, 
and he does he does 10 things uncomfortable every day. So he has new uncomfortable experiences. Um, and he says, Lynn, the first five and definitely the first 10 are just common. Anybody would come up with them. And he said, you know, once you get into the teens, it's better. But the high teens, he goes, watch out. You'll take a little number three, number eight, number 11. You'll put it together and go, wow, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I'd come up with that. And I think it's because nobody in school ever said, give me multiple answers. There was always one right answer. So we stop. And in this day and age, if it's COVID or whatever's going on, we need multiple plans. You need A, B, C, and D because something tomorrow is going to get plan A off. So I want 20 solutions options and then, then you can contrast and then you, you can um, uh, compare, you can prioritize, you can discuss, you know, it gives you much more freedom. And, and, and for people to come up with 20, and the first time I did this, I came out with things I didn't even know I could think of, came out of like, where did that come from? I don't know. So places inside of us, and I think 80% of our knowledge is unconscious. So when I was pushing down there, things pop and these somewhat brilliant ideas will come out and all of you have it. I mean, I, I don't have a corner on brilliancy. You know, we all do. It's a, I think we play our strongest hand, which is usually our easiest hand sometimes, and not dig for the ones that maybe aren't that obvious or nobody showed us how to do it. So I'm really good at spotting where people hold themselves back and they don't play big. And what I mean by big is being everything you're supposed to be in your role, not being aggressive or taking over others, but just playing or bringing everything to work, bringing everything to your job, your whole heart, your soul, everything, and just really going for it. Yeah. And that's it. That's interesting. When, what I'm, what I'm hearing out of that is you're, you're bringing 20 different solutions. And I, I always tell our six-year-old, which he'll be seven tomorrow. Oh, wow. But solving a problem, a byproduct of that is money, typically. If you are going to have a company like you were talking about, Corporate America, and your primary focus is how do I make more money? Just be upfront and honest with yourself, your partners and the people that are purchasing that product and the people that work for you. But if you truly want to lead with the give mentality, if you truly want to be a change agent, solve a problem, money becomes the byproduct of that. And to be able to sit there and have 20 different solutions or 20 different ideas around that, that could be conflicting with each other and to have that conversation going, you know, as a dual parallel at the same time, it takes a special type of person in order to sit there and say, I'm okay with having conflicting answers here and why or why not we sh I should have a conversation based off of that. But those are the individuals that allow us to push forward and see things that weren't obvious to the human eye. Exactly, exactly. And people would say, we've done things that are impossible. And one I like to look at is the Pfizer vaccine, mm -hmm. or really all the vaccines. Um, you know, they came up with them in nine months. And it was really the collaboration, which is higher than cooperation, collaboration among the scientists worldwide that came up with that in nine months. So we have done things. I like talking about things that are impossible to do, Brendan. You know, oh, it's impossible for us to do that. Like we couldn't double our sales or we couldn't, you know, do as much with 25% of the people. Yeah, you could. I, I get you don't know how to. I think it's possible. And you know, if years ago, you know, 20 years ago, people said, well, send a message to all your customers and employees and everybody, and you don't spend anything on it. Never thought of email. You know, it's, it's like, so we just haven't thought of it yet. And um, so I want, I like when people are willing to, and the thing is, there are, if you're willing to have, my experience was with the 20 solutions and talking about all the different ones, and some, some do conflict. The benefit of that was 
I got a headache probably the, for, for the first 20 or 30 times. But after that, it's like my mind expanded. I mean, I was able to take and see many more things on the periphery, bring in, notice somebody over here was doing something I never noticed before. So, and also I want to say to all your listeners is I, I'm a strong advocate of doing two things uncomfortable every day. And the reason I say that one of them is Tom Peters. I was at a wonderful presentation he gave and he said, you know, this is a problem with corporate America. He said, most of you go to work the same way every day, eat lunch with the same people or the same restaurant, you go home the same way, you watch the same programs on TV, you go out to the same places, theaters, where the heck you're supposed to get new ideas. He said, when I go to the airport, I get magazines I know nothing about. Well, you guys do get magazines you know something about that just reinforces the same ideas over and over, confirmation bias. So so, um, the idea is to um, mix things up. And um, I adopted the idea of doing two things uncomfortable and it pushes me. And I've been doing that for 20 some odd years. And, um, you know, I, that, that's how I get, that's how I come up with a lot of different ideas. And, you know, also Tom Peters went a little further and he said, the problem with corporate America is there's too many white men who went to the same business schools, they have the same professors and the same case studies. Where are you supposed to get new ideas? You know, it's like, it's like mixing up. And that's what's great about the millennials and Gen Zs is they're coloring way outside the lines. They see it really, the purpose of corporate America is to make this world a better place. Yeah. And that's what they they want. And they're not willing to not have it because they lived through some 9-11 and the Great Recession. And they've seen the world is not a secure, uh, positive place going forward. And so a little yeah. bit. If, if we enter the same old boys country club every day, it's going to be the same conversation, the same over and over again, the same ham and cheese sandwich. And to me, it's just not worth it. Like where where is where's the fun in that? Where's the challenge? Where where are you going to have that bent frame to be able to do things that other people sit there and scratch their heads? Now, what I want people to realize is when you start living in that world, when you start surrounding yourselves with other people mm-hmm. that have unique, and some people would say strange abilities, but just unique abilities, mm-hmm. you're going to have people come after you. You're going to have mm-hmm. people sit there and question who you were versus who you're who who you were meant to be and who you're choosing to be. It's not an easy path, but that's why you got to surround yourself with the right people. That was the biggest thing for me years and years ago was surra- re-surrounding myself with a, a, a different group of people that were not in the same industry. Right. Yeah. And, and, and things are, things, things definitely change from there. You know, a lot of today's world and how we learn, it's drastically changed from when you and I are being brought up. When we were younger, it was textbooks, teachers, coworkers, friends, family, the world around us. Mm-hmm. But that only really gives you a sliver of what's possible. How has your learning changed from your early years versus today? Well, um, when I am coming up with with a new idea or I want to come up with something for a company, I will call people outside that industry because that's where the answers are. If people in the industry knew the new solution, and no offense to people in the industry and your experts, you would all know the answer. So it's on. It's usually on the fringes, and it's those people like ah, they don't really know what they're talking about, you know, or they're not really good. And then, well, maybe, and that's like, oh, we knew that all along. It's sort of the evolution of ideas. So I usually um, go outside my industry. Um, I'll call various professors I have relationships with the colleges, academia. Um, I try to find, you know, I have some friends who are really pretty. Some people would say they're a little bit um, odd and eccentric, and I like them because they come up with odd and eccentric ideas. And many people probably say Scott's like that. And the way that we learn was really black and white, like there was a right and wrong. And now there's all these these variations of gray. And since nobody knows the future, clearly a year from now, two years from now, we have an unknown future. We, We need people who are agile, quick learners, tech savvy, 
resilient and can pivot in a second. Those are going to be the employees that can take you forward. If you're not one of them, and that's not you now, I would love you to do some personal development, whatever you want to do to get there, because I believe anybody can get there. I mean, I was a tax attorney with Arthur Anderson. Okay. So, you know, it's like you put me in the box. I was happy in that box. I really was. I could have been a tax attorney for the rest of my life, but various things changed and I wanted something different. And so don't underestimate who you are or what you can do. I think as most people shoot too low, you know, they, oh, I don't want to do this. It's like, no, shoot high, you know, shoot high. You may not get to your, your, your North star, but you'll be, you'll be among the stars. You know, you'll, 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 you'll surprise and amaze yourself. And that's what I want people. I mean, one story I'll, I'll just say, um, I was working with a client and the newest addition to the management team was a young man in his late twenties, early thirties. And he was the general counsel and the compliance officer. And this was a investment management company. And in, in a management meetings, um, he would start saying something and I'll call him Joe. Uh, the salesperson would interrupt him. And he would say, start saying something again. And Joe would interrupt and he would, this, I'll call him John, would stop. So I did executive coaching with clients. And so when I get with John, I said, why do you stop? And he said, well, Joe interrupts me. I said, so that's what Joe does. Why does that stop you from making your point? He said, I don't like being interrupted. I said, I think you need to get over that. I said, you're the attorney here. You know, there's two issues they have. The SEC could put them out of business. They need to hear you. He said, well, what do I do with Joe? I said, say to Joe, Joe, don't interrupt me. Stop. If he continues, put up your hand and say, Joe, stop. If he continues, stand up, put up your hand again, and Joe will stop. And the next meeting, he did that. We, we role played before. And now he's one of probably the three most highly valued people because he does see with different eyes. He's more of an introvert um, and they see differently and being the only attorney and the compliance officer. So he really came into his own. But I think we all need, you know, Brandon, some people maybe encourage us to, to say you can do it, to show us a way to role play it with us because we don't all have the confidence if this is the way I don't like being interrupted. I mean, nobody does, but that's your job. So I want people to, you know, fully, anybody play small, we all lose. We all have to play, especially in this world, big with our experience and our knowledge and put it all out there, you know, out there to be accepted, rejected, diced up, whatever it is, not, not attached to the outcome. So um, that's, um, that's, that's sort of like some of the work, an example of the work to do of helping people to really step into their shoes that they need to and not, change their patterns, change their habits that they used to because don't like being interrupted. I said, Joe interrupts everybody. That's what Joe does. It's not about you. Yeah, he does. Well, it's rude. Well, tell him that. He's not going to stop him. Okay, Joe's a salesperson. He likes to talk. That's who he is. Accept it, move on. And, you know, some people it's like, well, I just don't like when so-and-so does it. It's like, I just, I just want people to just do their job, do it well, do it 100%, be polite. And nobody needs a two by four on the head. You know, I'm a real, I grew up with a critical father and a critical older sister. So um, people have said to me, Lynn, you can say anything and make it sound nice. And I can, I can even, I can even fire people, and make it sound nice. So there's no reason you ever need to hit anybody with a two by four. If you don't know how to say, you don't know how to say something nice or not nice, kind to somebody in a kind way, call me. I'll give you 15 minutes, a half an hour. I will tell you. So it's, um, I, I want the world to be a kinder place and not kinder where you're not looking at reality. It's just kinder that you, you don't have to do two by four. Two by fours are painful and they hurt. You're not getting your point across. The point you're getting across is you're mean and you're not caring and you're not empathetic. And this day and age, after 18 months of COVID, we all need to be empathetic because we all have various different, very different experiences through it. So that, okay. Why do you feel it? And that's the thing, like, why is it, you know, doing to others? Why is it so difficult 
to me, the, the reason behind why it's so difficult for people to be nice is there's there's something inside that you need, you don't understand, you don't want to feel, but you you want to express that, and so you need the other person to feel that same in you know in, in embodied feeling, and that's the only way you can express it. But it's just like seriously, just be nice. Yeah, just be, be, I mean, I think somebody called it um, dignity. Treat everybody with dignity. It'll never go out of style. If you treat everybody with dignity and be civil to them, you know, that's never going to go out of style. And I think if you look at Warren Buffett, he'd be an example of somebody who I think has always done that. And um, I think if you look at some of the great leaders, when you come up against somebody, you know, they say make your enemy your friend. You know, if someone you see perceive as your enemy or somebody you really don't like, what I find when I have a real strong feeling is there's something about them that's actually in me that I don't want to look at. So I'll turn it to me and say, what am I not wanting to see? Yeah. But um, it's, you know, it just, I can tell you, there's so many people who quit jobs and there's, you know, the number one reason people sell their business is that they're tired of the uh, people issue. I mean, it's say like- Say that one me. more time, please. The tired of pe- the reason people sell their businesses is what? Is it, because they're tired of work dealing with people. Their turnover, managing people, giving performance reviews, which they don't get for years. They don't give them feedback. They don't, you know, it's like, the system's not working. And if you genuinely care about people, genuinely just care about them, you can be a fantastic owner and manager, but you have to genuinely care. If you don't, you're probably in the wrong business, my opinion, you can do what you want, but if you really don't care about them. And the story I'll tell you about that is, and I think this encompasses it well, I was flying out of Charlotte, North Carolina on an early morning flight. And the guy next to me asked me what I did. And I told him, he says, I have a great story for you. I said, okay, I'm always up for stories. And he said, last night I was at my wife's boss's um, dinner party, Christmas dinner party. And this morning we had the forecast was from some slick um, roads. And when I told him I was going to the going to the airport, he said, no, you're not going to the airport. He says, you mean too much to that woman and those kids. He goes, my chauffeur's going to drive you to the airport. And he turned to me and he said, my wife is not ever going to leave that company. Now that was, we don't all have chauffeurs to dispatch, but what did he say? You are too valuable to that woman and those children. He got how priceless that man is to the, the, the wife and the children. And that's all he said. And I still get tears in my eyes because I got on a gut level that his wife is not going to leave. Like that is the most, one of the most gracious, incredibly kind things to do, which was no skin off of the, you know, he wasn't digging into some deep pockets or anything, but he figured out this guy doesn't know how to drive. Something could happen to him. You know, it's, it wasn't insulting him. And, you know, it's like that. What can you do to go above, a little bit above and beyond to let them know, I really care about you. And, you know, find your version of that. Find 10 things like that you can do to your for your employees. And, you know, I, I, I've seen Brendan employees go through blizzards and snowstorms and hurricanes and whatever you want to call it to get to the office, to work with clients, to delight them. So uh, because the owner or their boss treats them magnificently, always has their back, lets them, gives them the skills, the tools, the knowledge and get out of their way and let them do their job because they'll do it much better than you, you'll do it. Yeah. And one of the, one of the things that, you know, I learned over the last um, 18 plus months is with everyone going home and working my, one of my oldest companies, their biggest, their happiness factor went up. And so what I realized is opposed to bringing them back together, they sit there all day long, talk and see each other on camera and they're okay with that. They're not zoomed out because they don't feel that it's that way. Mm-hmm. Productivity has gone up. Happiness That's... factor went up. 
They actually have, they, they save more because they're not on the roads, you know, yes. two hours a day. I backed into it. I said, Hey, just real quick, here are calculations that I'm going to help you through real quick. The average person drives an hour to an hour home and then toll fees, so on and so forth. I said, this is how many days of your life we're going to give you back. And you don't have to worry about us coming back into an office space because everyone here has voiced their opinion. We appreciate that. You're going to stay with where you're at. So if you want to show up in pajamas, show up in your pajamas. You want to show up in a suit, do that. But just know that we care enough about you to realize how much happy you are being able to work from home now. Fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, that's, and everybody's just here. He listened to feedback. He didn't make it up himself. He didn't do it in a vacuum. He listened to the feedback. He saw they're more productive. He added up what it was and just say, rather than just saying, you know, stay home or whatever, figured out, we'll give this back to you. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a huge win. And the, I mean, flexible time really has to be in there. And, um, you know, if you tell people where they have to work and the hours they have to work, they're, they're bucking at it and they don't want to be told that anymore. And the dynamics or the power dynamics between workers, employees, and the workplace has, I think, forever been changed by COVID. Yeah, absolutely. And to do those calculations real quick, folks, it's worth doing them to back it in because most people aren't going to sit there and figure out what that calculation is. But it's mind-bending when you see what two hours a day, five days a week, minus holidays and vacations, it's a lot of their life back. And that goes back in what I said. I said to them, I said, this is giving back time for you personally. This is giving back time. For, if you want to spend more time with your child, more time to walk them to school, whatever it is, you don't have to be a ru- in a rush anymore. And they're just like, I never looked at it that way. So sometimes walking them through the process, the value and what they feel that you've given by listening goes up. Absolutely. That's great. You know, there's there's a lot of information out there. And, and to me, especially with how social media is, how the internet is, and just how we are more connected, how much closer we are today, it can be overwhelming in the amount of information that we're able to take in every minute, every second, every day. How do you feel that you're, how do you feel that you have con- reconnected with people knowing that you have so much more access to them? And, and how how is that helping you, you know, traverse through your daily life, knowing that you have access to so much more information, which can be overwhelming. You have access to so many more people, which can be overwhelming. How do you traverse those waters so it doesn't become a weight, but it becomes something you can leverage to be to be more effective in what you want to do? Good question. I sort of put people, doesn't sound really nice, but sort of in buckets, like how often do I want to connect with this person if I don't hear from them? And um, so I'll have messages come up every day. I, I haven't heard from this person and um, I will email them or call them or stay in contact with them. So I, I systemize it because uh, otherwise it won't, um, I won't reach out. And, and to the people that I'm, I don't regularly reach out to um, and people that I used to just meet sort of casually and I was at a client's office or something like that. So I make sure I'm reaching out to more people and more systematically and in the, in the channel that they, that they like, a lot like text. You know, I don't call people who want to text, I text. And because text from millennials and Gen Zs is talking and engaging with them. It's not bothering them. So I mean, I don't want to bother them. No, you want it, it's bothering to you. It's not to them. That's not the world they grew up in. So um, yeah, I, I get overwhelmed um, with information information um, coming in. And then I just put them, I just put everything into, in, into folders and I label it priority priority. And especially, you know, I don't want to read articles that were written before the COVID. You know, when I talk about employee and client retention. I mean, it's so much of it's irrelevant. It, it's not, you know, I mean, there's some good ideas in there, but there's some great ideas coming out now. And um, so 
you know, be choosy um, how you spend your time and be really intentional. You know, especially if you have employees, be intentional. If you are managing employees, you spend a half an hour um, Zooming with them a week if you don't have a good connection with them. I mean, Brandon sounds like he does with his, so he doesn't need that. But people are feeling disconnected from the many from their own employees, from the company, from the communities. Slowly, some of that's going to come back. I'm not sure we'll ever get back to where we were. So you want your employees to feel connected to you and encourage them and even volunteer to pay for some of them to get together, you know, if it's in a park or something like that, um, or, or, or meet in a park or meet in a parking lot or whatever. Just have some fun and, and get a committee of fun people. You know, there's a lot of people out there who like having fun and they can come up with real quick ways they can make meetings fun or get together. We all need some levity, some lightness, and um, allow your people to do that if that's not something that comes innately to you. Yeah, I, I think it's we're naive at best to think that it's ever going to go back to the way it was, quote unquote, and nor should we want it to. How innovation, ingenuity are created is, is by not sitting there and thinking outside the box, but it's living in a world without a box. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to think otherwise, I just, I don't get it. Like, we should never want to be the same person we were the day before or the day before that. And so by pushing the needle, this is just bringing it to the forefront of why we need to sit there and not be complacent. Comfort kills and you yeah. don't want to be caught off guard. Now, hey, a black swan event happens like it did 18 months ago. You're pretty gonna, gonna be pretty hard not to get caught off guard. But as long as you're doing maybe two uncomfortable things a day, you'll be a little less caught off guard while you're coming up with 20 different solutions that that contradict each other at some points to move the needle forward. I don't know. I heard that from someone that's really smart once, but <laughs> you'll have to source check that. Well, my um, I think two newsletters ago, uh, what um, the title of it was "Uncomfortable is the New Norm." So um, if you're comfortable, you're losing ground. Um, I I think most people are, are pretty uncomfortable. I hope they are. And and think about it. I mean, why is it great to be uncomfortable? If you ever look at a new new baby trying to walk, not a new baby, you know, 10, 12 month old baby, they don't look comfortable. I mean, they fall, they get back up, they fall, they get back up a hundred, maybe a thousand times. You know, we try a new computer program, we don't know it after three times, we give, I give up. I mean, where's that party? And I was like, I can do this. I can. maybe I don't know how that baby doesn't know how, but something inside all of us, we walked. You know, we learned to walk and we knew we could do it. We didn't cry when we got, when we fell down. Maybe if we hit our head or something, but you know, where's that person? That's why I say, come on, where's that kid in you that says, I can do it. I can do it. I know I can do it. I can find a solution. I can find five great ones. And so I really encourage people to be willing to be uncomfortable, have difficult conversations, have uncomfortable conversations, you know, let, and if anybody's at the table talking, everybody needs to speak. When I run a meeting, everybody needs to speak. Because the introverts many times will be outspoken by the extroverts, like people like me. And um, I want to hear what they have to say. And many times they have some better ideas than us extroverts. And, um, you know, and now you don't have the bullies in the, in the office. You don't have some of the power dynamics going on. And so there's a lot of people feeling more freer to put forth their ideas. So please listen to everybody. You'll be a mate. Your solutions, your frontline people have the solutions to most of your problems if you listen to them. And what I think all companies need to do is to find out what their top customers really need, their top employees really need, and find a way to give it to them. Because if you don't, they will go elsewhere is what I find out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, typically when someone invests in themselves or a company invests in themselves and the employees, and I think the biggest investment in your life, bigger than the stock market, bigger than the housing market, bigger than cryptocurrency is the investment you put in yourself because you cannot control 
what those other three are doing. But what you do have control over is yourself and allowing that your team members to have control over themselves when you invest in them. But when they do invest in them, they usually have a better than vague idea what the outcome could be depending on what they put into it and what they're getting out of it. What should people and companies expect when they enter Lynn's reality and work with you? Um, most employees now, the number one thing to keep them um, at your company is they want to have a customized developmental plan for them. And if you don't, if you're not planning how they can be employable in the next two, three, five years, you're probably going to lose them. I mean, this morning there was uh, this this article that said the feedback that comes from the top people who are leaving. No one asked me what I want to do when I'm done with this position. I'm going to outgrow this position. No one asked me about the ideas I have for products or services that we have. And no one thanks me for work, for the work I do. Now, some people would say, oh, come on. You know, you have to figure out where you're going to go. No, that's um, that's not part of the, In this day and age with, with um, AI taking over so much, people need help in being able to see in the future and your best guess, but take an interest in them. And I don't, you're not going to get really, you know, with the, with the Gen Zs and the millennials, you're not going to get maybe what you expect, but you'll get those agile, tech savvy, quick learning you know, they're not afraid of change. They welcome change. Fine, bring it on. You know, I've never seen a millennial say, oh, too much. You've overwhelmed me too much. They're not. They're not overwhelmed. I mean, they, they love it. They eat it up. They, their minds operate different than ours, I really believe. But we can keep up with them and we can work with them and we can bring help bring parts of them forth and let them bring parts of us forth. You know, we all learn. We're all students and teachers and in, in work, and from my perspective, nobody has all the answers, especially in COVID. You know, there's no playbook. There's no there's no answers. So you might as well make up your future before somebody else makes it up for you. Yeah, absolutely. Take control of what you can control because control is an illusion at the end of the day. But you can choose how you get up, how you show up, how you want to be, pre- how you want to present yourself, and how you want to be a leader and pull and bring other people along with you. You have that choice. Those other areas of investment also. Not so much. So why not have someone like you in their corner helping them craft what that's what that's going to look like and 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 helping define that success? And you know, when I talk with my coaches and when I talk with different people around me, we we do talk about success and what does it take to be successful? And and a few thoughts that I have on this are um, you know, is uh mentorship, mm-hmm. experimentation, partnerships willingness to fail. And on the flip side, willingness to define success. And why so many people don't define success is because the minute you define success, you've also defined failure. If success to you is just showing up to my your kid's soccer game every day at 6 p.m. and the minute you don't, you are now technically a failure. I know that's a little extreme, but that's why we don't always define success. What do you feel it takes or what is a characteristic to become successful? I think wanting to have fun and to constantly be challenged. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what people say to me. How did you go from your tax attorney to that? It's like, well, I got bored. I wasn't being challenged. It wasn't fun. Time to move on. And that a lot comes from my father who loved his job. And so he'd come home from work and it wasn't until I was like 13, very naive. Did I think people, did I know people, most people didn't like their jobs. And um, so my sisters and I all grew up and we all want to have fun jobs, make a difference. And it has to be challenging. If it's not challenging, move on for me to move on. Because then I'm, I'm not digging deep in me. I'm not coming up with new great ideas or uh, new paths or new um, processes in some way. And I'm not uh, going to be as talented as getting in, seeing people's potential um, that they don't see. 
And um, a lot of those are telltale signs. And there's now I've studied a lot about microaggressions because of we're much more on Zoom and body language isn't as, as relevant, whatever. So it's always sort of staying um, staying ahead. But it's, you know, it, if you're, okay, I think it's really sad for people who really don't enjoy what they do, that they have to do something 40 hours a week, 25 hours, I don't know what it is, you know, whatever. It's a mismatch. Just find something you're really good at and go out and find some company that needs it. I guarantee you with this topsy-turvy world, you could probably find a company that could use your skills, which you're really good at, which I call your unique ability. You know, you find things that you're really fast at doing. You have more energy afterwards. You love it. You're better than anybody else. And, oh, please give me more. Give me more. Give me more. That's what you want to do. That's what I do. And that's what I love. It's like, I love helping people become more empowered, see things they couldn't see before, seeing opportunities, being bigger in themselves, having those difficult conversations and coming out well and go, wow, I handled that well. Like, yay, good for me. And that you're constantly growing. Growth mindset. You never you have to be constantly in a learning environment or learning um, a growth mindset, always open to learning because the world is in VUCA, which is volatile, uncertain, complicated and ambiguous, which is nobody really knows what's going to be going on and real predictable. So the more skills and knowledge you have and the more uncomfortable things you do truly will put you in the best position possible for the future. And when I, when I look at that and I hear everything you say, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly having fun. Um, if someone looked at my past and where I came from, uh, finance, banking, insurance, they would sit there and, and see uh, a very dull past. But the thing is, I was able to make it fun and I was able to create a base. That's the biggest thing. You know, one of my biggest successes is I was able to create a base then to go do um, the calculated risks that were more fun, that were more problem solving, that were going to make a change and make an impact on the world from a global standpoint. And so a foundation, I think, is extremely important. You built your foundation. It might not have been, um, you know, as I call it, like some of my foundation isn't sexy. Your foundation in the world that you came from wasn't sexy, but it helps you lead to the next moment of where you're sitting now. I'm not saying because you and I are on a podcast, but to what you do and why people are able to utilize your talents to unearth their hidden powers that are sitting there. And that takes, that takes a lot. So I, I got a few questions left as we, sure. as we come to uh, a close here. I feel that in times of prosperity, like when the world's winning, it's easier to get those wins. But ingenuity and creativity come when we feel the squeeze. And you and I talked a little bit about the squeeze today. And the world has felt the squeeze over the last 18 plus months. I'm losing track. It feels like two years at this point to me. What are you working on right now that is going to take place over the next 12 months that excites you? Great question. Um, well, I signed up for um, different programs, strategic coaches, one for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And I have two different venture capital companies going on. Um, and I'm not... Um, uh, done that before. Um, so I am, I'm pushing myself into areas that are really uncomfortable, um, and wanting to learn more. I mean, I, um, I'm, I'm reading a vast amount of books. Um, I, um, I listen to lots of podcasts. Um, I'm constantly learning except for maybe like five or six hours a day when I want to have fun and I like more fun than that, but most of us learning is fun for me. I've always loved learning. I've been, I'm a good learner. So for me to learn something, it's like, oh, wow, underline that. And I'm, I still like books, you know, I'm a bit a little antiquated for some, but I like to underline star. I put them in my research notes and um, I get excited with a new idea. I get excited learning something I didn't know that I could even understand, never mind do something with. So um, I think pushing the back, you know, whatever I'm uncomfortable with, I find Brendan, I need to lean into that discomfort. What's in there? 
Why am I avoiding that? What am I scared about? What, why don't I think I can do well? You know, who could help me with that? Okay, if I, I'm not well, if, I, if that's not something I'm innately good at, well, who has that as a unique ability that I know? Who in the, my network? So it's like, I'm not alone. I'm, you know, it's like people are willing to help. Very few people, if someone says I need help, are going to say, no, nope, I'm not going to help you. I mean, being willing to ask for help. And I think that's something in the society people don't do easily, but I find it's imperative to ask. For, I mean, I'm a single mom by choice. I run my own business. I have to ask for help. If I didn't, I wouldn't be here now. So I learned. That's, a, that's a special gift right there. Being able to ask for help. It's okay, people. Yes. Like to ask for help. And one other, I I, just, I remembered I wanted to have a little bit of a conversation. You had talked about you're going to learn microaggressions. You're taking other courses, so on and so forth. One thing that I'll throw in there that you might want to take a look into, and this is for any of the listeners out here. Here's one of my, I, I call it one of my special gifts because okay. a lot of my life was always, you know, on the phone with someone. Mm-hmm. A person's tonality. Mm-hmm. Because we're not always face-to-face anymore. Fortunately, I had been honing in on this, you know, not intentionally, but it was just because of the, the the world that I came from. But a person's tonality can tell you a lot. So if you can't see their face, you can see the the raises and pitches. When when someone taught me this, you can hear someone smile on the phone. That's a that's truth yeah, right there. You true. can hear someone smile on the phone. And if you believe that statement, then someone's tonality can tell you just as much as the microaggressions, ears raising, eyebrows, chin, all that kind of good stuff. Right there. So listen to person's tone. Yeah, and 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 if you don't believe that, have you call somebody on their phone? It could be just in the house. Go to separate rooms and say something, smiling, not smiling, mix it up, and see. And they will be able to tell which ones you are smiling at. I've done that with many clients. If you put put a mirror with customer service people, put a mirror there. No one likes to look at somebody with a kind of real sad face. You know, you tend to want to smile. So really, it's um, it's I think it's thirty nine percent of language. And since we're losing a lot of the nonverbal. Uh, which was most of it, the words we choose are more important, but the tonality um, is is key. That's 39%. You know, and I there's um, uh, something I read where uh, Nixon in the Watergate tapes said, said, oh, 27 different ways. Like, oh, oh, oh. So the tonality, their pitches, does their voice go up at the end? You know, just become curious as to what all that, that means because we do change how we speak all the time with who yeah. we're speaking with, how comfortable you are. If we have doubt, it comes through our voice. We're just not, I think I think what I'm hearing you're saying, and I, this is not something I've tuned in as much, is the opportunity of not being face-to-face has given people the opportunity to become more aware of tonality and become more talented and skilled at reading people and understanding what maybe they're not saying or what they don't know how to say. Like that pause, someone pauses. And I'll say, can I just say you just paused, Brandon? Is there something else you want to say? You know, please. And uh, one way to get people to, you know, if they want to have a difficult conversation, say, you know, this is probably going to be a difficult conversation. I just want to let you know that, okay? For both of us. Take a deep breath. So you've called okay. out the uh, the elephant in the room when you do that. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, well, we both know this. Let's move forward with it. All right. And yeah. if you want someone to really answer a question, say, if I ask you a question, will you answer it? Honestly, really, please? You know, I, I really need to know this. And ask them a question. You have greatly increased the chances of them by giving them permission to say maybe what they don't think they should be saying, but they'll do it for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Last one. What is a tip, a tactic, an actionable item that if anyone listening to this today implemented over the next 30, 60, 90 days would see a real impact on their personal or business life? Do two things uncomfortable every day. Seriously. I got to ask you this. What were the two? Have you done two yet? Or are you still on number one for the day? Um, I have done number one. 
Um, and I don't know what number two is going to be. Um, I have to, when I go out to run an errand, I have to crawl out of the driver's side of the car. Why? Because I read that anytime you're, if you're ever trapped and you take the headrest off, you can use the headrest to poke your way out. And I don't want, if that were ever to happen, I don't want it to be the first time I'm doing that. At least I've done it before. So I have some practice in it. The, the thing I did this morning is I, what did I do? Oh, I, um, Gosh, I did. I had my I had it on my list to do. It was something around. Um, oh, I put it. I put one contact in one eye, not the other eye, to see what the world looked like blurry for people who don't see. I mean, people who uh, don't have contact lenses and yeah. um, how it's softer. It, like my vision's not that bad, but it's a little bit softer. And I said, well, what's it like having one eye good, one eye not? You know, all I know is is you know, I have a client out in California. They say the first time that they're comfortable, they're going to fire their new CEO. You know, it depends what level you want to take this to, guys. You know, if you want to be comfortable, you know, how many companies were around in the 1970s, 80s, 90s that we don't aren't around anymore? You want to be around for a long period of time, you got to be doing things really differently. So mix things up, be creative and um, have fun and, and really have fun. Do wacky things. I'm giving you permission to be wacky. You know, you want to throw something across the room as long as it doesn't break or hurt anybody. Fine. You know, throw it across the room. If you want to just say something to somebody, you know, it's like, it's like mix life, mix life up. You know, I learned a lot from my dad. He just had fun at work. When we were little kids, we'd go in and talk on the intercom. And, you know, as a six, seven-year-old kid hearing your voice around the whole company, it was, it was pretty empowering. It felt like I was like, hey, I could get into this work thing, you know, and, and show your kids how you work or which maybe they see that at home now. So, but, um, and have fun, really, you know, let's take ourselves less seriously and lighten up and um, do some wacky, uncomfortable things and just, and choke it up that you're, you're practicing for the future. Yeah. Don't think outside the box, live in a world without a box, because mm -hmm. that will show you what is possible. The impossible is possible and yeah. move the needle forward. All right. We have got the founder of Thomas Consulting, Lynn Thomas. Lynn, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Brendan. Thank you so much for this podcast. I immensely enjoyed myself. Blessings to all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Mastermind Effect, your secret weapon for personal development. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to experiencing The Mastermind Effect.